in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. A long, short time ago in a comic book shop not very far from here. Uh, <clears throat> everything's uh, under control. Uh, situation normal. What happened? Uh, we had a slight podcast malfunction but um everything's fine here now we're we're fine here now thank you how are you we're sending a squad up uh and negative negative we've got a grumpy chad up here give us a few minutes ah! a couple beers into him uh large chad very dangerous who is this well what's your operating number uh, conversation anyways chad we're gonna have company Hi, this is Andy Larson, the host with the most, and may the fourth be with you on this special episode of The Last Comic Shop, where it is all about Star Wars, our movie franchise that we all really, really adore. Like, at least I do, and I know that my cousin does, J.A. Scott, he's on our program. J.A. and I used to watch every year uh, around Thanksgiving time, they used to play Star Wars on CBS. And uh, it was it was wonderful and magical just to see that with all the little commercial breaks for all the toys that were going to be coming out for Christmas. J.A., what are your Star Wars memories from our, our youth? Oh, definitely uh, playing with the toys the most. I, I love me some Kenner Star Wars. Uh, that and going over to your house because you had the lightsabers that if you whipped them in the wind, they went whoom, whoom. <laughs> I remember... Going like full force at each other with these things. We weren't pulling punches. We're just like haul off whacking each other with the arms and legs. How we didn't break anything ever, I don't know. This they, is like the, they would cut weeds, man. They were strong. That was strong plastic, dude. You would get a welt if you, you got whacked with one of those things. And you're right. They had like divots at the top, so like the air would come down through. But they were solid pieces of plastic. They, it was nice times. And we've also got my other co-host, as always, Chad Smith. Chad, do you have any fond memories of Star Wars from your childhood? I no 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 no. no. Star Wars is okay. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Uh, no, I you know me and, and my Star Wars bias. The GI Joes were always better. Star Wars guys couldn't bend at their elbows or their knees, so all you had to do was attack them from the left. <laughs> Bam! They were done. <laughs> No, the thing I love about Star Wars figures as a as an adult action figure collector, they made everybody in the Star Wars universe. And so you could track down all sorts of different face sculpts and like as much as I'm like the movies are okay, the toys now are are, are usually pretty awesome. I always like that toy line that came out right after the original uh, action figures where they got all the cantina figures that didn't even match anybody that was in Mikey Wood. Who was the uh, little guy with the tusks? Uh, he looked like a, was that Snaggle? Oh, Snaggle Snaggletooth. 
Okay. I have a blue snaggle tooth. I have I can elusive blue. No. Yeah, I do. He's in a, I do. I do. I do. I do. I swear. You, Hang on. You might want to have a doctor look at that. <laughs> blue yes. snaggle tooth. I've heard in the go go boots. You have one of those. Yeah, man. That that's snaggle tooth. And then there was uh, Bespin Han Solo. He was so mm. cool. I did my hair like him. Like I I made my mother buy me a blue like a dark blue jean jacket, and I would wear it to school. And <laughs> that's what I was. It is the nicest figure from that uh, of all the uh, Han Solos you can get. I never liked the one from the New Hope line because he i don't know he looks spindly i don't know he needed to eat a sandwich or something on the opposite side the the one from return to the jedi looked all puffy i agree with you andrew endor han he was a bit dad bod yeah the original han solo i got uh, he's got one arm that's kind of like bent that you could put the gun in and then he's got another arm that's straight that has like his hand is just kind of flat and i had him posed at one point with his hand up in the air and yeah. yeah, and my dad oh. got really mad at me because it's totally Nazi. Oh. <laughs> my father came in. He's like, "What are you doing?" I was like, "What? No, I don't." Because I was like, I don't know, six or yeah. seven. I don't. I don't even know. Oh, I know. Oh lordy. Well, as I said, we're, we're we're talking about Star Wars on today's program. We're actually going to get to comic books and real quickly in just one second. But um, it is always exciting to live in these times with Star Wars, even though there's no movies out in the theaters. They're still pumping out lots of great stuff. We've got an Ahsoka show coming out. We've got Bad Batch is dropping today here on May the fourth. For those folks that love the, the Clone Wars series, we get a little more of the Bad Batch, kind of the A Team version of. Star Wars. One thing that we're going to talk about on today's program is all of the Star Wars that they're now making us forget about. That's called Legends. <laughs> the yeah, stuff right. that is now non-canonical. You go to Star Wars Church, you can only believe in the stuff that's canon. So, so, it's weird. I think it all depends on how old you are. Because, you know, when I was a kid, the only thing we had after start the first three Star Wars movies was like Splinter of the Mind's Eye came out after the first movie. And it's weird because Luke and Leia are on like these romantic dates and, thing, you know, they, they basically go on a romantic getaway because at the time they had no idea. Like it, none of it counted yeah. to us. We didn't care. We were like, OK, this is cool. But then in the 90s, all this yeah, stuff what's started. The, what's out. the first Timothy Zahn books and the, the yeah. Thrawn trilogy? And then that really kind of kicked off the Star Wars expanded universe, which was but going it, gangbusters until Disney came in and basically said, nope, sorry, it doesn't exist. All of that yeah. stuff is non-canon. But isn't Thrawn canon? I thought yes, he was now the Thrawn. Clone Wars but, and... but the books yes. that where he was first featured, the heir to the Empire books are not canon. But right. He yeah. was written into canon because he appeared in Rebels. And, right. It's and then it's all been, Dave Filoni. Like Dave Filoni loves all that stuff. And so he's gonna try to work that stuff in as much as he can into like mainstream continuity <clears throat> without wrecking the boat. But we are going to review a Star Wars comic and it is a real interesting one. If you wanted to know what happened before we actually got the Star Wars movie we got a rough draft, and somebody made a comic book out of it called The Star Wars, and we'll be reviewing it right after these messages. Hey, this is Ken M. Padawan J. Coach Duffy. From the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour podcast. Every week, the ODPH is talking sports, movies, TV, comics, and more. It's always a parlay of topics on each episode. You can find the ODPH on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, and wherever you find great podcasts, such as the one you're listening to right now. 
Don't forget to check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com where you can find the links to all of the ODPH social media accounts, links to the bands whose music you hear each week on the show, hashtag 607 podcast info, and Parlay Points, our companion block section of the show. Thanks for listening to the ODPH. Now get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. All right, we are back with more of The Last Comic Shop here on our Star Wars extravaganza. The Star Wars extravaganza. That's true. The Star Wars extravaganza. And and if you're wondering why we're accentuating the the at the beginning of this, it's because back in 2013, I think it started a little bit earlier with the project, but um, there were some folks that decided that they wanted to put out a comic book that was based on the original rough draft of the Star Wars script uh, from George Lucas, which has lots of differences from the actual movie that we eventually got with New Hope. Uh, but they wanted to go back and they wanted to release this as a comic book series. Uh, they made like um, uh, some sort of demo or something, some couple pages that they, they and they, they asked for George Lucas's blessing. And he said, uh, you're a blessed, my son, go out and do this thing for me. And so they did. And so they, Dark Horse released it in 2013. And we're reviewing it today. It is called The Star Wars. Uh, to make sure that it's different from just Star Wars. Or <laughs> as that woman from uh, Arrested Development, and but lay her rest in peace, a Star Wars. Go see a Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Chad, who did the Star Wars comic book series? Okay, so as you mentioned, it's based on George Lucas's rough draft screenplay. The script is done by J.W. Rinsler. Art is by Mike Mayhew, who you may know from various photorealistic covers and things like Spider-Man and G.I. Joe and Batman, and he's all over the place. Uh, colors by Rain Barreto, lettering by Michael Heisler, and the cover was done by Nick Rouge. Okay. That's a fun name to say. Yeah, that is actually a fun name to say. It's not as good as Snaggletooth, but we'll work with it. Uh, I, I will say this. It, it ran for eight issues. And uh, we're going to get a 10 cent synopsis of it. And it's weird because you'd think that like, oh, it's Star Wars, right? It's just a rough draft. So it's got to be Star Wars, right? No, it's not even. Well, it's kind of close. I don't know. Basically, Mikey, you're you're a big Star Wars nut. Uh, what what's yeah. the 10 cent synopsis of the Star Wars? Oh, boy. OK, so it's <laughs> all six of the Star Wars movies crammed into one comic book. Now, now it's it's. Anakin, young Anakin Starkiller is trained by a mentor and, and, and they have to uh, go to war with an evil empire. I mean, it's basically the same thing, but everything's different. That's the best way I can describe it. <laughs> right! No, no! I, I yeah. think that's a great 10 cent synopsis. That it is kind of like a what-if story of, of Star Wars. They kind of take what you know about Star Wars, some of the names, some of the concepts. As Bob Dylan said, they rearranged and gave them all new faces. If you've listened to Desolation Row, like uh, uh, so, everything doesn't look the same. It's like looking at a funhouse mirror, but you're looking at it backwards because it's actually not getting new faces. It's getting their old faces back. Ooh, Ooh. is really oh, what they're getting. I mean, it is ba- it it is based on an original draft, so it's like somebody. It's the prototype of Star Wars. So it is technically backtracking. It's it's showing what the original idea was so that you can compare it to what we eventually got. In essence, somebody pulled a script out of a, tr- out of a trash can and said, let's do this. 
Why yeah. not? I mean, this is something and, nobody used it, but but yeah, whatever. Well, so going back to Star Wars, where they milk everything they can under the sun, they already released <laughs> some of the action figures based on the original Ralph McQuarrie designs, which show up here. But they take that script and they and Mike Mayhew added some more designs to to sort of update and complete the project and some of the new locales. But uh, they had something to juice, and they're they're gonna juice it. <laughs> There are like five or six different Star Wars scripts that you can find because it all of the different drafts are available out there because once it became famous, people out there in, in Hollywood are like, oh, my God, I read this back in 76 uh, and they facsimileed it and the facsimiles ended up getting distributed and ended up getting scanned. I mean, you could go online right now onto Google and just search, you know, Star Wars first draft, Star Wars second draft. And you can read the evolution that happens between the original ones. And they say it's the first draft, but for some reason I'm thinking it's a later one because the original one is called The Adventures of Luke Starkiller, Episode 1, The Star Wars. I don't know. I'm so nerdy. I can't believe I actually (laughs) had sex with a woman. All right. I can't believe. Well, let's get J.A. as our initial thoughts. Let's get J.A.'s uh, thoughts first, because, again, it's his book. He, we, I gave him carte blanche. I said, pick a Star Wars comic book, and we will review it on uh, our special Star Wars show. And he picked this one. So, J.A., why did you pick the Star Wars? I read this several years ago, and I wanted to revisit it again. And I chose it because I wanted to do something Star Wars adjacent but not sort of new canon Star Wars Marvel stuff. I wanted to look at something that was now what we call Legends. I wanted to look at something that was slightly off kilter. I know that Chad is not the biggest Star Wars fan, so I wanted something that you don't have to be a Star Wars fan necessarily to read it. You can, And in fact, you know, I'll bring it up now, as a Star big Star Wars fan, it's not the easiest comic series to read because you have to keep reminding yourself, this isn't Star Wars. Take my mind out of Star Wars. You keep you start reading it, and if you start thinking, oh, this didn't happen in the in the movie, or, or oh, that, that part happened in the movie. I know what's coming next, but no, you don't know what's coming next because what's coming next is completely different. So it forces you... Uh, to reapproach things and to relook at things, and that's what I like about it. It it makes you not only reevaluate the story of Star Wars while you're reading this comic book series, but also then makes you reevaluate the movies again because you're thinking of them as the finished product of this draft. And you know, well, why? Oh, that that would have been a cool concept had they kept that in the movie. I wish they would have kept this one part in the movie. I really liked, for example, how the Sith Lords are treated in the Star Wars, where they're not just like the polar opposite of the Jedi, and they're essentially two samurai clans, if you will. And, and it's not this, it's not so cut and dry good versus evil. There's gray between the two of them, and they work together, and they talk to each other, and... and but they're not so, supposed to. Right. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they, they, they are separate, but no, it's a good point because, and, and I wanted to really quickly, just as, as a Star Wars fan, I just, I did want to throw out like, what were some moments that you couldn't get over? Cause I want to, I want to throw out too, 
I, I, there's two moments in this particular series I couldn't get over as a Star Wars fan. It kept taking me out of the narrative every single time I read it. Number one is I don't like when Jedi use red lightsabers. Like everybody was using red lightsabers, and I was like, this is not, this is not right. Like that's the bad guy color. Like why are they using it? I don't like yeah. this. Well, everybody had lightsabers. That's yeah. They gave the stormtroopers lightsabers. That's awesome. Everybody should have a lightsaber going, that's the best part of Star Wars. That reminded me of coming in and watching my son play with his Star Wars guys. He is always giving everybody lightsabers, so you'll see these battles lined up, and there's Stormtroopers with lightsabers, and Chewbacca with a lightsaber. Everyone's got a lightsaber. It's it's cool that J.A. mentioned Samurai, because this version, much, much closer to Kurosawa's hidden fortress if you've ever seen hidden fortress or if you know it's about uh, there's basically like two peasants who are who end up joining a rebellion and they have to save a princess from the fortress. i mean it's the same thing and the two peasants are their equivalent is the r2 and 3po characters uh in the movie but so it's kurosawa's hidden fortress mixed with flash gordon way more like it's much more apparent that it's a flash gordon kind of vibe yeah, and and, 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 and a lot of Dune, you get a lot of that, all that political stuff, the political intrigue, he got that all from Frank Herbert, manifested itself in the prequels. All in that. the prequels, he, he just forgot to add any of the exciting stuff in the prequels. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, the other thing that I couldn't get politics. over as a Star Wars fan, and this was the big, this was the big one, is the fact that they allow... R2-D2 to talk. And it is the most jarring thing ever. Like, basically, every single line that C-3PO has in the movie, they just, like, split it. So it's like, C-3PO, instead of having a conversation with something that's boop, 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 and answering him back, and at one point, C-3PO picks up R2-D2 and hucks him like he's, like, I don't know, in the the strongest man games? Yeah, and and they hate each other. Like, they're so nasty. Um, (laughs) They're so nasty to each other. Like, like, I don't know. For me, the jarring thing that I didn't dig was i the the love story between the princess and and luke's star killer or anakin star killer is just dreadful the worst it's sudden she's like oh i love you like she hates him throughout the entire book disappears and then comes back and is like after after he knocks her out you know that 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 panel does oh yeah like he cold cocks her, like he punches her to shut her up. That's a terrible. And then two pages later, he's like, "We need to go save the princess because I'm in love with her." I didn't realize it two pages ago, but now I realize it, and I am in love. You know what? Actually, as some that wasn't so jarring because this is a George Lucas script, and if anybody has ever seen George Lucas write romance from Attack of the Clones, you can see that he doesn't really know how men and women actually talk to each other. So maybe cold cocking somebody in the parking lot in front of a land speeder is the way that you win somebody's heart who knows in george lucas's mind she's actually almost a non-entity in the entire story she's there and then she gets kidnapped and they go get her the the comparison to leia in the in what was actually released versus leia in this script are two completely different animals you know, in in the movie, she's she's sarcastic and she's sharp, but she's tough. You know, and in 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 the thing, she's just like this obnoxious teenager. Um, she's too much yeah. Padme. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's weird. Right. No, I but uh yeah, other than that, I mean you did get a giant green hulking swamp thing kind of hand solo, which was kind of goofy. It's sort of like they took Han Solo and Chewbacca and mixed them, I guess. I don't know. What did you But think they gave you Chewies? They gave you Chewie, and it was weird because like they called somebody else Chewie earlier on, and then they gave you Wookies and called the other one Chewbacca, and I was just like, "All right, time out." I could go on and on as a Star Wars fan about the things I didn't like. I'm going to ask Chad, as a guy that has watched Star Wars but is not the hugest fan, what he thought of this experiment. A couple things that you already talked about: R two, like you take all the time out of the relationship between R two and C three PO. By letting you understand what the heck R2 is saying. But uh, the biggest thing for me that we didn't bring up was they just turned Darth Vader into a dude. <laughs> like, not only is he separate from Anakin, like, Anakin's a whole different character, so you don't get any of that stuff, which, uh, honestly, I'm okay with. But, like, Darth Vader's just a guy. He doesn't have the mask, doesn't have the mm-hmm. respirator problem. Yes, I don't do any of this. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up, too, because, like, he actually doesn't play much of a role in this at all. Like, he shows up, like, once in a while, but there's the Empire, they're the bad guys, and sometimes you see them, but it's mostly just folks running around. Like, you don't see anybody they're fighting against, except, like, once in a while and towards the end, and... like, there's not a, that, that level of menace. Like, the Death Star doesn't even blow planets up. It just, I don't even know what it does. They don't even call it the Death Star. How, how unmenacing is that? Yeah, Darth Vader is some guy dressed up in black. And then there's Valorum, which is another name that was eventually used in the prequel, Chancellor Valorum. But anyway, Valorum is the Sith Lord who does have the mask and is all war- wears black and does have a lightsaber. So, so that brings to mind something I, that I meant to mention is that there's way too many characters in this story. And that's basically because every character in the movies that we eventually got is split into two. So every single character in this movie in in the comic is half of another character in the movie. So like 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 Vader and Valorum combine them is Darth Vader. Well, you've got Star Killer and Skywalker, and they are basically one half of of Obi Wan. And then you've got you know this guy Kleeg Whitson and this creature Han Solo that are kind of one half of Han Solo. So it's like they went through and they they combined characters to make them the cast smaller, which actually helps the story. Like, we don't need the little boys. Biggs and Windy. Yeah, we don't... Um, right. But there's so many names that end up being used later on in the actual Star Wars films, like Mace. So there's analogs for, for characters that we eventually got. And there's like 50% analogs that if you combine them together, you get the actual... It was just... It was... It was the other Star thing Wars. that bothered me was they talked about, instead of saying that may the Force be with you, it's like, may the Force of others be with you. And it's like, no! <laughs> that's <laughs> dumb. <laughs> and that's, that, that's part of it, is so much of the mystique and the fun of what people enjoy about Star Wars, whether it's the droids, uh, you know, beep bop booping, whether it's the Force being this mysterious thing, like, so much of that gets sucked out of this. And, like, Sure, it was cool that Chewbacca is more Sasquatch than dog this time. Like, that's kind of mm-hmm. You know, and hey, Luke is old now. That's fun to see. There are fun parts here, but it just seems like, I don't know. I, I've always held this theory that the best Star Wars movies are the ones that George Lucas had the least to do with. Mm-hmm. Like, Empire. Empire is the best one. Yep. And, like, he doesn't touch the script. A lot of it's out of his hands. And so, 
I think that's it's emblematic here. You can see the love story doesn't work. You can see it so much gets wrapped up in in the office politics, and it doesn't have that cool element that I think is one of the reasons so many people go so gaga over Star Wars in the first place. Right. So as somebody that recommended this book, and I know that we'll get eventually into this, the ratings, but like now that you've read it, uh, I guess now for the second time, Jade, is is this ultimately something that should have never come to light? Like, is this, I know that they're trying to milk, you know, the Star Wars franchise for all it's exists, but like, is this a failed experiment? I, I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts? I don't want to say it's a failed experiment. I mean, it's, I thought people did some, some good work on it. I love the artist's interpretations and, you know, it, it's, it's, is it a bit of uh, decadence? on i guess at that time dark horse's part to put this out and you know sort of milk the gravy train yeah did the artists and and creators who did this have a lot of fun like taking all the different concepts from the existing star wars universe and and throwing it in here but different so you know you you see like stormtroopers on top of uh the pods that uh the robots were in 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 phantom menace for example yeah so i think in that respect it's fun is it something that 30 years from now people are going to hold up as you know one of the greatest bits of comic book writing about star wars no is it something that if you are a star wars fan and you want to read something different on a weekend i would definitely recommend it to somebody i wouldn't recommend it to non-star wars fans there's a reason why the star wars movies are not this it doesn't it needs editing yeah. And, and, and so, in essence, what you're saying is this book is kind of sort of an academic exercise for Star Wars fans. They were like, oh, by the way, we've gone through all the coursework on Star Wars. Now this is extra credit. We're like, well, now let's re- let's revisit the apocryphal tomes of the, the late great, you know, and, and, and analyze them even more. I, that, that's what I thought. I mean, it, I, it, it's it's the yeah, it's it's the X-Men grand design of Star Wars, looking at the Star Wars story slightly differently in a geeky way. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, I won't lie. There were a couple things I liked. I really actually liked the character of Anakin Starkiller. I thought he was a le- lot less whiny than Luke. Like, Luke Skywalker in New Hope is a whiny son of a bitch. Like, he just whines. And this guy's kind of take charge. He's more action-packed. He reminds me a little more of Flash Gordon. And I like his relationship with or the older Luke Skywalker. Again, somebody that's like, again, a m- more take charge version of Obi-Wan Kenobi, kind of more of a general. He looks a lot like George Lucas, by the way. I don't know if anybody noticed yeah. that. He's kind of like got the, the George Lucas beard face look yeah. going. And, but I, I like that. So I didn't mind their interplay. And I thought their, uh, their chemistry actually worked. Yeah, I, I you know I liked a lot of the names for things more. Like I liked that they called him the Jedi Bendu. I liked the the names of the planets Utapau and Aquilae and things like that. And 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 it's it's funny because there's videos of uh, Mark Hamill and he still remembers the monologue that he had to re- uh, remember for his Star Wars audition. And it mentions. Aquile because it was from an earlier draft of the script but I like those names and and like there's still Alderaan in there and Alderaan's still the capital city and, and capital planet and all those things but I but I kind of I liked you know that they mentioned the Junlin wastes and they mentioned you know Padawan early on so like it's funny that the word Padawan was used in Star Wars mythos 
before we ever heard it. Like, we didn't hear the word Padawan until the, the prequels came out. But that was part of the original draft of the script that was just left behind and then used, pulled out later on. Okay. But, Chad, do you have yeah. anything that you, you pulled out that you kind of said, no, nah, this, this works a little bit better? Or, you know, the big twist ending they're you know they're on the ship and they're trying to rescue leia and here comes uh, what's his name valorum and then it's surprise he's working with them because he doesn't trust the empire and like that part was cool i don't know chewie gets a medal now i feel like yeah. that was important to the people <laughs> it's very important ja any any last thoughts about things you liked in this version versus the movies uh, no i mean <laughs> <laughs> all right well maybe we'll save your thoughts for our our ratings uh, right after these commercial breaks so stay tuned for our ratings of the star war here on may the fourth be with you my name is nicholas haskins and i'd like a moment of your time to tell you about the fifth annual live stream for the cure to do that i brought along two people whom i couldn't do this event without gerald morris and dan brennick Over the past four years, the live stream for The Cure has raised over $30,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. That contribution is helping to fund research into cancer immunotherapy, training the body's immune system to fight all forms of cancer. This year, we're aiming for our biggest goal yet as we try to raise $15,000 in 50 hours on the air. Tune in May 19th through the 23rd as we're joined live by podcasters and content creators from around the world. With your help, we can continue the fight for a future immune to cancer. Together, we can make a difference. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop here on the May the 4th Be With You show on Star Wars Spectacular. And as uh, you just might have heard, we are going to be actually a part of the live stream for The Cure. We're going to have an hour to help support that very, very worthwhile cause. So if you would like to help raise money for cancer research, make sure that you tune in to the live stream for The Cure. We'll have details on all of our social media, but our hour will be on May 22nd uh, at 11 a.m. So from 11 to noon on May 22nd, you can listen to The Last Comic Shop do a live review of the 70s classic Superman meets Spider-Man, or is it versus Spider-Man? Is it a versus, or is it a meets, or is it's Superman versus the Amazing Spider-Man? Okay, it's got some great Ross Andrew art. I know that much, and I've been excited. <coughs> Neil <to> Adams. <coughs> That's the cover is Neil Adams. The rest <laughs> of it's Ross Andrew. <coughs> Neil Adams. No, it is not. <laughs> you pick it up. It's Ross Andrew. I know that for a fact. Listen, we'll discuss it on the show. There's some Neil Adams mixed in there, too. Fair enough. Anyways, but yeah, make sure to tune in. But uh, until then, it is now time for our ratings, where we, like so many nerds throughout time and space, have decided to say we're going to rate a Star Wars thing because it's our right. Last Jedi was not as good. Uh, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, other than the original trilogy, because it's really hard for me to say the real, original trilogy isn't the best, but uh, of all the other movies I like, I- I'm going to put Solo up at the top. I really like Solo. Solo should have got more movies made out of it, and I hope that they eventually rectify that with Disney+, Plus, where they at least bring back... Um, 
You want a Lord and Miller cut? I I would love to see a Lord and Miller cut, but I I would say this. I don't think from a Lord and Miller cut you would have got a Kessel run that was that exciting. That's that's Ron Howard being a competent director and knowing how to work an audience. And that was one of the most thrilling scenes I've seen in Star Wars in a really long time. Uh, But yeah, let's real quickly get our ratings. You know, it's one out of four scale and J.A., May the force of others be with us on this. What is our rating scale? Well, it was one of my favorite parts of this comic book adaptation. So we're going one out of four lightsabers because everyone should have a lightsaber. I love it. Uh, we're going to start off with J.A. because I think he gave a lot of his his thoughts already. When he, But how many lightsabers are you giving it, buddy? Yeah, I'm going to give it two and a half. Two and a half lightsabers. So... You know, it's like two lightsabers, and one of them's got a cracked kyber crystal inside or something. So what Mikey said, it needed some editing. There's too many characters. It was hard to follow at times. When the movies came out, you can see why they condensed some of the the plot points, some of the storylines. Too many moving parts. It has a lot of the same problems that the prequels had in that it's got so much of this political intrigue that George Lucas... you know, for all he's good at writing, I think he's not very good at writing that stuff. Anytime he was trying to do Frank Herbert and Dune, it didn't work. It works when Frank Herbert writes it because Frank Herbert, you know, is just a much better writer. George Lucas is good when he is capturing, you know, sort of that homage to 1940 serials and the Indiana Jones stuff, or he's, you know, as a sort of samurai western homage action movie. He's not good when he's trying to do deep politics and empire-spanning families with dukes and trade federations. Star Wars is meant to be checkers. Dune is meant to be chess. Okay. Uh, Chad is our resident Star Wars tourist. What is your number of lightsabers? So much like uh, the Star Wars fanatics, I, I prefer the uh, the version of Star Wars where George Lucas is sticking towards the Joseph Campbell hero's journey. Luke becomes the Jedi and all that other fun stuff. That was just so much more satisfying for me. So I think it was better than the prequels. There was no mention of midichlorians here. As far as this goes, I thought that Mike Mayhew, while his art was pretty to look at and it was very photorealistic, I don't know if he was a fantastic storyteller. That We haven't really mentioned that, but there were times in here where I got a little bit lost in the story, trying to figure out from panel to panel what exactly happened and why was that and why is there the explosion when Leia and Anakin kissed? Like, it was weird. There were things that didn't belong together. And then, like, as far as a craft thing, there were parts, the words didn't fit in the word balloons. And I'm like, come on, Dark Horse, you're just supposed to be a professional comic book company. I can see this if you're Joe Schmo at the local con, doesn't know how word balloons work. But, like, that was just sad. You can think with a project like this, they'd have done better there. So, um, I'll say 1.75 lightsabers. So you get one that's kind of a little bit smaller. Just enough you could still have a duel. It's like it's an action figure and the dog bit the, the tip off of it or something like that. <laughs> that's right. Just the tip. <laughs> just the tip. <laughs> in any case, uh, Mikey, what are you giving this in terms of lightsabers? Um, I'm going to give it like a, a like a nice strong two because out of four. Because I, I think that the artwork was really pretty. 
But I think as an exercise in the in the creative process, it's it's kind of cool to see what started out and where it eventually became. Because it is interesting how streamlined the A New Hope is uh, compared to this. You know, just the the whittling down of things and the combining of characters and the elimination of plots or the 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 beefing up of certain things too. It's just interesting. So I, I liked it for that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to do a first on this particular program. You know how many lightsabers this gets? Zero. This gets a zero for the first time on The Last Comic Shop. We're reviewing a book, and I'm going to give this. There's a reason why rough drafts are rough drafts, because they're not a finished product. There are some things that should have just never seen the light of day, especially after something that's as popular and well-known as Star Wars. I'm sorry, it, this is not for Star Wars fans. This is for not for non-Star Wars fans. This is for nobody. <laughs> and nothing happens in eight issues. That's the worst part. The Empire has no menace. They're not blowing up any planets. They're not enslaving anybody. I don't even know what their point is. They're just trying to take over this one planet that has cloning technology. It's all about the spikes. It's for whatever. It's garbage. Man, talking R2 really got to you, didn't he? He did. Weird. Han Solo was terrible. C-3PO being a douchebag most of the time. The romance that really didn't work. Nothing in this made any sense. Nor made me feel any of the warmth and joy and wonder that I got out of the Star Wars series. That's just not me being a fan and being like, how dare you crap on the things that I've adored all my life. I understand, you know, when you you take your own take on the Star Wars series, I love stuff like the Knights of the Old Republic, you know, where they took like Star Wars concepts and they gave you new characters and whatever. But this, I don't know what this is. And I don't recommend anybody read it. The art's not really that great. The story's terrible. Just don't read it. That's just me. I just want to give you a hug. Like, I want to give you a hug. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not that wolfie. mad about it. I just don't. I don't know why this exists. I'm gonna give you a first draft hug, so it's a little too long, you know. Anyway. I, I, Anyways, what I'm excited about on our program is actually giving you recommendations. Recommendations of books you should read, not this. That's what you should do on your Star Wars. And I'm going to start off, because on this show, we often do a similar book, we do a current book, we do a out-of-left-field book, and we do a uh, cherry on the top, which comes from our wonderful guest. In this case, it's Mikey Wood. Again, I'm going to start off, and I'm going to give us a, a similar book. So this is a Star Wars book that's a what-if that actually does work. And it comes from Dark Horse 2. And that is the Star Wars Infinite series. Put out three volumes of this. It's basically New Hope, Return of, or Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. But they are true Star Wars what-ifs. They take one little moment in the Star Wars franchise that we all love and adore, and they change it just slightly. In the first one with uh, New Hope, basically what happens if Luke Skywalker has uh, a premature moment Aww. where his... Proton torpedo doesn't explode upon impact. Oh, oh well. But it kind of sets up this whole thing in which basically Leia becomes Darth Vader's apprentice. The Empire Strikes Back one is hinges upon what if Luke had died on Hoth? And ultimately, in doing so, Han Solo thinks it's his job to become the Jedi and fight Darth Vader. But in, in actuality, it's his job just to take Leia to Dagobah instead so that Leia can become the person to fight Darth Vader and save the galaxy. 
just great stuff. There's also a third one with Return of the Jedi. It's not as great. It just ends up with uh, a Darth Vader that doesn't die when the Death Star blows up. And so, like, he becomes a white-suited Darth Vader on the light side? I I, I don't know. Whatever. Which made for a kick-ass toy. Yeah! Yeah, no, I I dig it. But, yeah, pick up the Star Wars Infinite series. It's really, really good. And it was written by and drawn by a bunch of people. Yeah, I'm not going to list them all because there's tons of... There's a different writer and artist on each of the books. So you can pick up any of them. Uh, that's my recommendation uh we're gonna go to chad next and he's gonna give us our current book there you go so uh, it's kind of current so this my book harkens back to 2015 when marvel got the license and did kind of the exact opposite of what dark horse was doing here whereas this was more of an exercise for the the deep star wars fanatic i think when marvel picked up the star wars license again they were shooting for mass appeal And one of the coolest things they came out with was they gave Darth Vader his own book. Written by Kieran Gillen with art primarily by Sal LaRocca, but there were other folks that chipped in along the way. Uh, It ran for 25 issues, and it was just tons of fun. It introduced uh, some new characters like Doc Aphra, uh, who's still playing a major role in all the Star Wars mythos. It also uh, introduced new uh, dark analogs to R2-D2 and C-3PO these are murder bots like they just want to kill people and do the worst possible things it's hilarious and it's all the same charm of r2d2 and c3po just totally evil and so twisted and so backwards and it's all part of this book that's it's tons of fun darth vader marvel series right and i can highly recommend that as well i i it's got some really great political intrigue too because the entire backstory is that it's after Darth Vader finds out that he ha- has Luke as a son, but he hasn't told anybody yet. So he's trying to find out where Luke is and whether or not it's actually true that Luke's his son without like the Emperor knowing. And so like there's a lot of Machiavellian pulling yeah. the strings from behind. Uh, and it's to fun to watch to- him cover the tracks too with the movies. Like Luke yes. is Boba Fett and like but he's blind, so he doesn't see who he is because later on they're gonna It is super good. Uh, so what's our out of left field pick this week, JA? So out of left field, uh, we're going back to original teleplays and screenplays. This one is Harlan Ellison's original City on the Edge of Forever, Star Trek. So for those Star Trek fans, that's the story where Hank McCoy goes back in time and changes history by saving a woman. And then Hitler is allowed to rise and Kirk has to go back in time, ends up falling in love with this woman and then has to let her die and time can go on as normal. But in the original script, there was this whole subplot about drugs on the Enterprise and taking this guy down to this planet for a court-martial, and he's the one who jumps through the uh, the portal and changes time. So this was done, uh, obviously, from the original Harlan Ellison script by David Tipton and Scott Tipton, art by Juan Ortiz and J.K. Woodward, published back in 2015 by IDW. Very cool. For those who like their R2-D2 speaking, another little deep hit uh, that you can find on the internet is this very cool fan edit called War of the Stars by the man behind the mask. Uh, where he basically took a 16 millimeter print 
of the original Star Wars movie and then edited in all these deleted scenes and stuff that has come come to light throughout the years to make a grindhouse version of Star Wars. And one of the highlights of this grindhouse version is that R2-D2 has subtitles and he is this sarcastic wise-ass who no one can understand, but all he is doing is talking shade on everybody. <laughs> oh, man. You I know gotta, that's I what he see... is in the regular movies. Yes. It's just, oh. I mean, even more so. So it starts off instead of a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Once upon a time in space. <laughs> that reminds me of that, uh, uh, what? what is it? Hardware Wars. I think that was released in like 1978. I don't know. It's got like a character that looks like a Muppet and they're riding around in a flying toaster or... I think it's actually uh, a thing that you iron clothes with. Hardware Wars, that's great stuff. Um, what's the cherry on the top this week, uh, Mikey? Since we talked about uh, you know a comic that's basically an alternate script or, or, or whatever, uh, I'm doing another one, which is William Gibson's Alien 3, which is a graphic novel that came out by Dark Horse, and it is by uh, two people who have the greatest last names. It's it's Johnny Christmas is the, uh, the artist, and the colorist is... Tamara Bond villain. So it's Johnny Christmas and Tamara good bad guy. So if you guys know about Alien 3, there were like a million scripts for Alien 3. Everything from xenomorphs on a giant wooden planet filled with monks to this version of William Gibson. So this is a really neat alternate take of what could have been. Um, and it's vastly different. Real quickly, does um, does Newt live in that version? Because they do, that... yeah, they 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 survive, but they don't really have a big part. In it. Hicks does. Hicks has a big part in it, but good, but, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's completely different. It's there's no penal colony. It, it's just it's. No. I thought that Hicks and Newt dying in the beginning of Alien Three was genius because it created a Ripley that was like, what did I do all of that for? So it's like, what did I go through all of that for? Because now they're gone and i have absolutely nothing she essentially lost her daughter twice so that just turned her into born again hard and then and that, that i you know i thought it was genius a lot of people hated it i didn't care you know, i thought it was smart <laughs> one thing i don't hate though is all of the tremendous work that mikey wood does uh quite often as you might know if if you're a fan of our show he is a local pittsburgh comic creator so mikey where can they find your fantastic work all the time well, uh, early stuff is still available on Amazon. Uh, Hate Your Friends by Mikey Wood and Kristen Blank and Pack of Lies, which was written by myself and drawn by a lot of different uh, local Pittsburgh artists. You could read the first chapter of El Phantasma on graphiccomics.com. Um, and actually, so is Hate Your Friends. So if you don't want to spring to buy the actual print version, you could read it online for free because I, I'm nice like that. But All right. Well, make sure that you yeah. check out uh, Mikey's great stuff, as well as make sure that you check out www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's our fantastic little website where we have all of our episodes that you can rate and review and subscribe to on any of the variety of podcasting platforms in a galaxy very close to you. Whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, YouTube, CastBox, Amazon Podcasts, and a variety of other places. Also, make sure that you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. We're very, very sociable, and you can always find us there. And uh, also, what can they find out on our website every single day, J.A.? They can find merchandise, T-shirts, hoodies, beer koozies, lightsabers. 
<laughs> White Sleepers? Right. Yeah, man. We're, we're, we're branching out. We, we're taking a page from George Lucas. We're going to basically put our logo on anything and everything. I can't wait for our last comic shop action figures. Those are going to be the best. They're going to be only five points of articulation, though, because I think those are easier to make. I will throw them all in the dumpster. You will not. Articulation. Everybody wants the one with me in the cowboy hat. It's the best. Even though ours don't exist just yet. But you could also uh, find a local comic shop where you can find those action figures and books. Go to the local comic shop locator at uh, www.comicshoplocator.com. Support some of those uh, small businesses and larger businesses sometimes that uh, keep us fans in that stuff that we're so fanatical about, whether it's Star Wars or superheroes or whatever you need there. Okay. And uh, that's all the time we had for Last Comic Shop this week. I hope you enjoyed our Star Wars-related show. And until next week, stay safe, stay sheltered, and remember, this is the Nick Winter Show, and I'm the one that does the entertaining. Star Wars, if they should bar wars, please let these Star Wars. Remember, may the force of others be with you. Oh, so dumb. The last comic shop was. A 2021 Black Angus production.